Hello, Dork Squad. I'm Jonathan Cormer, and you're listening to Dork Tales Storytime, the podcast for kids and their pop culture-loving grown-ups. And this is an inspiring story about a hidden hero of history. It's a beautiful day for a story, adventure and glory, new friends and old ones too. It's an excellent day to get swept away in a tale, so let us regale you. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four. Hey there, Reg. Four, two, three, four. Hello, Jonathan. Five, two, three, four. What's going on here? And plie. Uh, just teaching my new weekly ballet class. You teach a ballet class? Well, I happened to read ahead in your notes about today's hero, and I got very intrigued by the art form. Oh, that's amazing, Reg. Our little show inspired a new passion. Uh, One moment. Um, Great class today, everyone. Uh, Make sure you cool down, drink plenty of water, uh, do some stretching, and uh, I'll see you all next week. Aw, look at those little bunnies in tutus. Ah, yes. Uh, Flippy and Floppy, the Loppy Sisters. Quite talented twirlers. Yeah, it does seem like it. Anyways, as I said, I was studying up about the art form, and uh, oh, how magnificent it is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Then I started talking to Thomas the Turtle, and he became very interested in trying to dance himself. Then the two of us spread the word, and the rest is history. (laughs) History. It's just like this show. Ah, very good, very good. Well, now I'm even more excited to tell our hero's tale. Oh, I asked some of my students to join us today to talk about what they love about our hero and ballet, if it suits you. Oh, no, that sounds excellent. Our first Hidden Heroes of History guests. And what a great episode to be a part of. That's right, because today we're talking about... (laughs) Maria Tallchief! Oh, well, well, hello there. And uh, who might you be? Uh, This is Crenshaw Foxworth the Fox. They are one of my star pupils. Indubitably. And I'm so excited to be here today to discuss the dancer that changed the world of ballet. Yes, she really did keep everyone on their toes. (laughs) Excellent. And uh, how right you are, Reg. Well, I'm happy to have you here, Crenshaw. Oh, uh, Thomas the Turtle and Floppy Loppy of the Loppy Sisters will also sit in. Hello there. Good day. Oh, hi, everyone. Might I begin the tale of Ms. Tallchief's life? Maria Tallchief was born in Fairfax, Oklahoma, as a member of the Osage Nation, and began dancing at the age of three. Miss Tallchief's mother couldn't afford dance lessons when she was younger, and she wanted to make sure her and her sister Marjorie could take their own lessons. That's right, Floppy. Wow, you all have been studying up. Mm, But of course we have. Ballet requires much study, dedication, and passion, after all. 
And that happens to be my favorite part of the art form. The study. The dedication. I admire that, Sir Foxworth. And it is just what Ms. Tallchief and her sister did. Their first lessons took place in the basement of a hotel. They also took piano lessons. Too true, Thomas. They also took piano lessons, and for a while, Ms. Tolchief considered becoming a concert pianist. Ah, but her talent as a dancer was recognized at an early age, so her family moved from Fairfax to Los Angeles. There, she went to high school and continued her study of piano and ballet. She trained under Madame Nijinska a famous ballerina and choreographer who had recently opened her own studio in Los Angeles. A choreographer, of course, is the person who creates and puts together the steps and moves for a dance performance. That's right, Floppy. I would love to be a choreographer myself. It's my favorite part of dancing. I love learning new moves and stringing them together into a larger work of art. A remarkable and magical part of dancing, that's for sure. How about you choreograph our next group number for class, Floppy? Ooh, I would love to! <laughs> Sorry. And I'm loving this collaboration. Well, that happens to be one of my favorite parts of the art form. Really? You? Collaboration? Don't sound so surprised, Jonathan. It is a very important part of creating beautiful ballets. Working alongside other dancers, learning from teachers, being an audience member, and watching other people create work. Wow, I'm loving this new attitude, Reg. You know, we should really infuse that spirit into our storytelling work as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Of course. Now, where were we in Ms. Tallchief's story? Oh, I remember. She had just moved to Los Angeles with family and was studying ballet. That's right, Thomas. And after graduating from high school, Ms. Tallchief moved to the Big Apple at the age of 17 to pursue ballet full-time. Ooh, did you say apples? I'll take an apple. No, no, the Big Apple. Oh, Thomas is just using a popular nickname for New York City. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, now I'm feeling a bit hungry. Ms. Tallchief auditioned for the director of a very popular ballet company, Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. When she was still in Los Angeles, nothing came of it then. But when she moved to New York City, she continued to pursue opportunities to be in the company. Eventually, she began dancing with Ballet Russe, which really kicked off her career in dance. She started her time with Ballet Russe as an apprentice, based on her talent, but also because she had a passport. That's true, Crenshaw. Most ballet dancers were from Russia and other European countries at the time. And because the company had an upcoming tour in Canada, they needed some dancers with access to passports. Which brings us to a few of the most challenging aspects of Ms. Tallchief's career in dance. Is it that she experienced some prejudice from other dancers? Unfortunately, yes, Thomas. A lot of folks in the dance world believed that there were no good dancers from America. And many people also believed that in order for her to find success, 
she needed to change her last name from Tall Chief to something that sounded more European. That was something she experienced growing up in school. Many young people made fun of her Tall Chief name and Native American heritage. And that's not very collaborative or kind. No, it isn't, Reg. But Ms. Tallchief persevered. She became America's first prima ballerina, and she did it without giving in to the pressure of changing her last name or distancing herself from her heritage. She kept the name Tallchief throughout her entire life as a dancer, stating, Tallchief was my name, and I was proud of it. Here, here. A trailblazer in so many ways. America's first prima ballerina. Uh, uh, what exactly is a prima ballerina? Oh, we'll get there, Thomas. But first, we have to talk about what truly cemented Ms. Tallchief as one of the leading figures in ballet. Righto! So, Maria rose through the ranks of the Ballet Russe, moving from apprentice to one of the lead dancers. George Balanchine came to work on a new piece with the company. That's right. Mr. Balanchine was an extremely important figure in American ballet. He eventually founded one of ballet's most prominent institutions, the New York City Ballet. But before that, he crossed paths with Ms. Tallchief and appreciated her unique style of dance, one that was full of energy, speed, and passion. She must have been a perfect match for Mr. Balanchine's choreography. Absolutely. He was a tough choreographer. All of his dances required lots of grace, strength, and speed, and she truly perfected them. Oh, I wouldn't be so good at the speed part. I did notice you're often a bit behind the count in class, Thomas the Turtle, but never fear. It just gives you your own unique style. Huh, thanks, Mr. Reg. I personally find the grace and poise of ballet to be the most exciting part anyhow. I would like to think Ms. Tallchief would agree with that. Now, Ms. Tallchief and Mr. Balanchine transformed the world of ballet, putting American ballet on the map and popularizing many ballets that are cherished to this day. One of my favorite examples of this is a popular Christmas classic. Hmm, a uh, Miracle on 34th Street? Uh, no, that's a movie. Oh, I know. White Christmas? Uh, again, another movie, though there is quite a bit of choreography in that one. Christmas in Connecticut? No, no, these are all movies. The Christmas classic I'm talking about is a ballet called The Nutcracker. Oh, of course, of course, The Nutcracker. <laughs> a tradition for many who celebrate Christmas during the holiday season. That's right. In 1954... Ms. Tallchief performed as the Sugar Plum Fairy in Mr. Balanchine's newly reworked version of The Nutcracker, which at the time was a fairly unknown ballet. Ms. Tallchief's performance as the Sugar Plum Fairy transformed the work into an annual classic. Is this around the time when she became a prima ballerina? It was. So, the prima ballerina is like a lead dancer or a notable dancer. Exactly and it's an extremely coveted and important role in the ballet world. She truly deserved the title. For example, in the early days of the New York City Ballet, 
She performed in a piece called The Firebird, flawlessly. She danced one of the most technically challenging roles anyone had ever seen. Wow. Yeah, I second that. Wow. At one point, Ms. Tallchief was the highest-paid ballerina of her time. A leading lady through and through. You couldn't be more right about that. Ms. Tallchief paved the way for dancers who didn't seem to fit the mold or expectations of what a dancer should be. She even paved the way for American ballet and all American dancers during a time when most were overlooked. She also always remembered her roots, remaining closely tied to her Osage history and speaking out against stereotypes and misconceptions about Native Americans. Ah, what a true champion of others. After being told she should hide her heritage in order to find success, she fought back and proved the naysayers wrong. Over and over again. Her championing of ballet and dancers continued even after she retired. When she moved to Chicago, she started new dance companies and schools. She even popularized the art form in a city that didn't value ballet at the time. Oh, she truly is an inspiring hero. I think I might go work on that choreography right now to bring to our next class. I'm going to do a little more studying and practice all of the foot positions before heading home to the hovel. I'm still having a bit of trouble with fifth position. I'll join you. I would love to work on the gracefulness of my turns. <sighs> well, Jonathan, as you can see, today's hero has really inspired a movement in our neck of the woods. Yeah, you know, you're really making me want to give it a go. Well, come on now. Let's see what you've got. Oh, uh, I don't know, Reg. Uh, stand in first position. Oh, uh, I don't know, Reg. Uh, stand in first position. Um, all right. Uh, very good. Now, let's try a plie. All right. And one, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three, eek! Oh, Jonathan, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just lost my balance. <laughs> ah, never fear, my boy. Now let's take it from the top. And Whoa. one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. 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 One, two, One, two, Hidden Heroes of History is a John in Character production. This story was written by Molly Murphy and performed by Jonathan Cormer. Sound recording and production by Jermaine Hamilton at Hamilton Sound Studios. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at dorktalestorytime at gmail.com. Find links in the show notes or go to dorktalestorytime.com. Now, go be the hero of your own story, and we'll see you next Once Upon a Time.
else.